We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, September the 16th, 2021. Today's show, I break down this weekend's games. The Gamecocks head to Athens, Georgia, to take on the second-ranked Georgia Bulldogs, looking to duplicate the magic of 2019 and pull a massive upset in Saturday's contest. Guys, we'll break down the game in its entirety. First things first, I'll talk about the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll also talk top storylines, key matchups, key of the game much much more as again Shane Beamer opens SEC play as South Carolina's head football coach also guys we have your listener questions and a fantastic conversation great interview with former Gamecocks offensive lineman John Strickland as he joined me at 10 roof live last night we talked about his playing career including taking on the Georgia Bulldogs beating them in both 2000 and 2001 and of course we also look ahead to this weekend's game what must South Carolina do to pull off a massive upset between the hedges. Guys, before we get into everything, I want to tell you about our friends over at Upstate Movers Group because the show is brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention that companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company. And they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group, or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
Georgia, to hell, to hell, to hell with Georgia, to hell, to hell, to hell with Georgia, the cesspool of the South. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show. As always, appreciate you all tuning in. And folks, win or lose, no matter what, it's always to hell with Georgia. Again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope this show finds you well, no matter where you are, what you're doing, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're on the job, you've got the day off. Maybe you're in class, whatever it might be. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Now, first things first, as I told you all, before we get into the game preview itself and the breakdown and all that good stuff, I told you all, new microphone, who dis? First podcast being recorded with the new microphone, guys. If things sound a little different, I'm still working through the sound and making sure everything's set up properly and correctly and to best optimized for this microphone so we get the best possible crisp sound. But you might notice a little bit different. Yes, a brand new microphone in the studio. I told you guys, again, things might sound a little bit different, but hey, Still yours truly, still the Spurs Up show. You guys already know the drill. So, again, appreciate you all. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support. Continue to rock with the content, rock with everything we do, man. Things are absolutely rolling right now as we enter week three of the college football season. Also, guys, a quick reminder. For those who may have missed it, if you're not going to Athens, you need somewhere to watch the game, watch party this Saturday in Columbia, South Carolina at the Carolina Ale House location in Harbison. Yes, if you're familiar with the Columbia area, we have the address listed on social media as well. The Harbison location in Columbia, South Carolina, watch party, kickoff, of course, at 7 o'clock. Yours truly will be getting there around 5 o'clock or so to set up and hang out and eat some great food and drink some great drink. Also, guys, a TSUS special for all those who attend. Tell them you're with TSUS. You get 10% off your order. Also, at halftime of the game, we'll be giving away a $25 gift card to Carolina Ale House. So again, a lot of exciting stuff going on. Harbison location, Carolina Ale House. You need a spot to watch the game. That's going to be the place to be. So again, kickoff at 7. Doors open at 11 there. Of course, if you want to get out there earlier, you're more than welcome. I'll get out there around 4.30 or 5 o'clock to set up and hang out. And again, I hope to see you there. Going to be a really, really, really good time. All right, without further ado, guys, let's go ahead and get into it and break this thing down. The Gamecocks taking on the hated Georgia Bulldogs as South Carolina travels to Athens, Georgia in Sanford Stadium, a 7 o'clock kick on ESPN. The Dogs right now sitting as a 32-point favorite. So, guys, for everyone complaining and bitching and moaning about the Dogs being such a big favorite, that spread went down to 31. It's gone back up to Georgia as a 32-point favorite. So, obviously, there are people out there that are putting money on the Dogs that think Georgia's going to cover this spread, believe it or not. UGA, either way, though, a 32-point favorite. Overner set at 48. The series history, of course, Georgia lead the Gamecocks 52-19-2. and The last meeting last year, Georgia won 45-16. But, of course, most notably, the last time these two teams met between the hedges, what a game it was as South Carolina pulled the absolute shocker in overtime, 20-17. to Who can forget where they were, what they were doing on that fateful day when Rodrigo Blankenship's kick sailed wide left? in overtime in the Gamecocks as 24-and-a-half-point underdogs. Got an improbable win 
on the road. Of course, they'll look to duplicate that success in this game on Saturday night. Also, guys, uh, I think one quick storyline, and we'll get to this more in just a second, but Shane Beamer's SEC debut, something really interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, more about the Dogs, their head coach, of course, Kirby Smart in his sixth season. They are 2-0 and overall, defeating the Clemson Tigers in week one to much of our satisfaction, and then beating UAB last week in a blowout 56-7 to when the dogs right now, statistically, we've been talking a lot this week about the Gamecocks defense being ranked fourth in the country. Georgia's defense ranked number one in all of college football. You think about it, guys, in two games, they've allowed just 10 points and only one touchdown in two games. So a pretty damn good defensive unit there for the second-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. All right, guys, let's get into top storylines. And you, you have to start under center the quarterback position guys what's so wild about the line and the over under even in this football game is normally you don't have a line when there are so many questions and quarterback and what's crazy is both sides have it I mean how often do you go into a football game and you have no clue who's going to start at quarterback for both teams I mean, we all know the South kind of situation, right? With Zeb Nolan, Luke Doty is Luke 110%. There's smoke that Zeb Nolan might start again. Who's going to be under center? We have no idea. Will Luke Doty play? How much will he play? Will he start? Who knows? And then you look at the Georgia side of things. JT Daniels, of course, does not play last week against UAB because he was hurt. And now we find out that Stetson Bennett is dealing with some injury issues. And it looks like he's also on the injured list. Will it be Carson Beck, the redshirt freshman? Nobody really knows at this point. So, again, quarterback questions on both sides. I know we love to talk about defense and how good these defenses are, you know, how good they have been so far through this college football season. South Carolina ranked fourth, Georgia ranked first. But you got to score points to win. And to score points, you're going to need a quarterback. So, who does each team go with? Who does each team roll with, and especially on the South Carolina side of things, guys? Is Luke Doty ready to go? Because, I, listen, I, I feel the frustration from the Gamecocks fan base. Guys, I'm frustrated myself. I'm frustrated because, you know, I was expecting this to be Luke Doty's football team, this to be Luke Doty's season. And I've been telling you guys week after week after week, the best version of this football team and the best version of this offense comes with Luke Doty under center. I don't think there's any denying that if he cannot go and it's the Zeb Nolan show, your chances of winning, which are already slim, drop drastically so again a lot of questions at the quarterback position for both sides what are the answers we'll find those out Saturday night uh, another top storyline guys speaking of the offense none of what we're talking about leading into this game Saturday none of it matters if South Carolina's offensive line does not show up ready to play what do you expect from the Gamecocks offensive line what will they give you because again on one hand you look and you say and you feel encouraged because okay it's a unit that returned four of five starters over 80 career starts, four of five starters, by the way, from an offensive line that paved the way for Kevin Harris to rush the way he did over 1,000 yards a season ago. On the other hand, what we've seen thus far from South kind of up front, um, the big uglies, it's been ugly. That's the only way to put it. 2.8 yards per carry against East Carolina last week. And again, guys, in the first half of the first three quarters, you got pushed around up front. And I understand teams are stacking the box and they're sending more guys, whatever, because they don't respect your passing game, by the way. But they're sending more guys and they're stacking the box. But either way, it's been very difficult to run the football. 2.8 yards per carry, guys, against ECU. Again, none of this matters. None of who we talking about, who's starting at quarterback, what are the receivers going to do, what are the tight ends going to do. I, you know, 
what what are what are your running backs going to do? None of that matters, guys. None of that matters. If you cannot run the football in this game, you can just forget it, having any chance to do anything. Do we see South and his offensive line take a step this week? Do we see them finally come into their own and play like the unit we expected them to be in this football season? Does that finally happen? You know, are the Gamecocks actually able to, number one, protect their quarterback, and number two, establish any semblance of a running game? Guys, my third storyline is just simply this, and I, I mentioned this yesterday on social media, and I, I'm just going to pitch the question to you all again. I mean, you talk about that Georgia defense and how good they are. And guys, they're legit. They're for real. I, I know some fans don't want to give them credit. We hate Georgia. To hell with Georgia. I, I totally understand it. But that Georgia defense is for real. They've got NFL caliber guys all over the place. My question is this. Can South Carolina score on Georgia? And if they're going to, what are they going to have to do? Because I don't really know, guys. I mean, I think you've got to be able to run the football. If it is Zeb Nolan, God forbid. I still don't believe, you know, I like what Josh Van has done. Obviously, Dak joined the big catch last week. Your tight end position is nice. I don't think you can throw it well enough to, 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 to scare Georgia, though. I don't think you can. So what do the Gamecocks do? I mean, what's your best bet in regards to moving the football? But now, you know, we got a caller yesterday on the Daily Crow calling and say 31 to 28. South Carolina will lose. But 31 to 28, guys, we're talking about an offense that scored one offensive touchdown, a single one against East Carolina. And now you take on the best defense in all of college football. Can South Carolina even score on Georgia? I'm not over-exaggerating either. And if so, how much? Is getting to double digits a realistic expectation? That is my question. You can be upset. You can be mad at that. But that's a real legitimate question this football game. Because you've shown nothing offensively. You've shown nothing explosiveness-wise where you're going to be able to move the football. And credit Georgia, guys. It's not necessarily all an indictment on South Carolina. Georgia's just really, 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 really good. Really good. So, can South kind of score on Georgia? And if they're going to, how? Do you, I mean, I, I, I would love to get feedback from you guys. Do you think it's going to be more from the run game? Are you going to have to try to stretch the field down the field and throw the deep pass? Is it going to have to be a lot of screens and draws? And is there going to have to be deceptiveness, trick plays? How much success, what type of game plan can Marcus Satterfield and company put together offensively? Do we see more of the playbook open up? Guys, my next top storyline, move to the other side of the ball. Um, this Gamecocks defense, ranked fourth in the country. You've only allowed two third down conversions through two weeks. I'm excited about this defense, guys. And I told you earlier in the week, you know, tip your cap to Clayton White. Tip your cap to everyone involved on that side of the ball and what they've done to this point. But you get a real test this week. And, and I, don't, I don't care who's under center for Georgia. I, I don't. They're at Georgia. They're good enough to play and play well and most likely give you problems. And it certainly helps when you're a quarterback and you're just surrounded by five-star talent. Five-star talent on five-star talent on five-star talent, right? That helps. That helps for sure. So how good is this Gamecocks defense really? How, how improved are they from a season ago? You know, because, I, again, I, I don't want to take away from what they've done the first two weeks, but you face two lesser opponents. Call it for what it is. And Shane Beamer was very quick and clear to – you could tell the entire Tuesday – media availability, when he was saying and talking about Georgia and how talented they are and how fast and big and physical, he understands. This ain't East Carolina. This ain't EIU. This is the SEC. This is big boy football. It's the real deal. 
you feel good about your defensive line, right? And what they've done, and J.J. Nickbari, of course, and Birch and Pickens and, and uh, Strawn and, and, and Sterling and all, all those guys up front, Brad Johnson, all those guys up front. I think we'll find out a lot about the back half, the linebackers and the secondary. And even the defensive line is going to get a test because, hey, they've been the best unit on the field the past two weeks. But Georgia's offensive line, stocked with five stars. Georgia's offensive line will be ready for the challenge. So just how good are those guys up front? How good is that defensive line? That's going to be a fun battle to watch in the trenches, by the way. And again, like we've said before, we said in the preseason, they're going to have to be elite to give the Gamecocks a chance. Because I don't care who's starting at quarterback, like I said. You give him time, Georgia's got the weapons on the outside. They've got the weapons guys all over the place to, I think, beat you in the secondary. No doubt in my mind. For the people, for the people that are out here saying that, oh, the Georgia offense is terrible. Like, look at, you know, people look at that Clemson game. And for whatever reason, I know that I know they didn't score an offensive touchdown. I totally get it. But they also followed it up last week, winning 56 to 7. And I think they had like 49 points at halftime. This narrative that the Georgia offense is just abysmal, I think it's an over-exaggeration. No doubt. So again, the Gamecocks defense is going to get a real test. Just how good are they? And if you can put up a good performance, man, makes you feel like, holy smokes, you might really have something on that defensive side. Another big storyline for me, guys, Beamer Ball. Will we see Beamer Ball take place for a third straight week? And when I say Beamer Ball, guys, I don't even mean just special teams. Hey, back-to-back weeks with a pick six, right? Back-to-back weeks with a big play, a game-changing play like that. Of course, when you speak on Beamer Ball, you got to talk about special teams. Will there be a big special teams play? Because I think we all agree for South Carolina to, you know, keep this thing close and potentially win it, you're going to have to have a big play in both defense and special teams. And I would expect, certainly, Shane Beamer, Pete Limbo on the special teams facet of the game to absolutely throw the kitchen sink at Kirby Smart. And, hey, guess who the special teams coach is for Georgia? It's Will Muschamp. I would expect Shane Beamer, Pete Limbo to have one hell of a game plan prepared on special teams. And then, like you know, like I said, defensively, um, you know, you can't necessarily bank on pick sixes, but can you – Forced Georgia into some pivotal mistakes. Hey, the last time we were there, 2019, why'd you win the football game? Well, you forced three turnovers, three interceptions. One of them returned for a touchdown. You'll have to have a similar result on Saturday to have a similar result as you had in 2019. Guys, I just mentioned it. I just talked about it. If you thought I was going to go through this entire show without talking about it, you're crazy. But uh, the Will Muschamp factor. I mean, that's certainly a major, major storyline. I'm surprised it's not being talked about more But uh, for the first time, you know, since 2014, when he was at Florida, Will Muschamp will be across the sideline from the Gamecocks. And this time he'll be wearing the Georgia red and black. You know, I I think that, you know, once the game starts, I mean, it's football, guys. Once football starts, it's football. You know what I mean? You don't really have time to think about all the, the emotions and, oh, my God, my old coach is over there on the sideline. But it's certainly something fun for us as fans to keep an eye on, because you know that's going to be talked about a ton in-game. You know that'll be talked about a ton um, by the broadcast booth and the guys up there calling the game and stuff like that. Does it really have any factor in regards to the on-field play and the result of the game? I I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But uh, it is interesting. You know, anytime you have a situation where we saw it, you know, guys, you might remember, we saw it 
2016 when South kind of played Florida and in 2017 as well when South kind of played Florida and it was all of Will Muschamp's old players that he recruited, right? And the emotions after the game. I think we'll probably see something, guys, very, very, very similar because those players, a lot of them loved Will Muschamp. That's a fact. A lot of them did. But just that overall factor in this football game, it's a very interesting storyline to consider for sure. Again, something that uh, I know we'll be talking about and keeping an eye on as we go closer and closer and closer and eventually get to kickoff. And then finally, guys, my final storyline for this one is just simply put, can South going to do it again? Can they pull the shocker in Athens? Again, guys, two years ago, I did feel strangely optimistic, I'll point out, going in that football game. But two years ago, South Carolina traveled to Athens, Georgia as a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. Excuse me, underdog. South Carolina traveled to Athens as a 24-and-a-half-point underdog. Georgia was the 24-and-a-half-point favorite. And did the unthinkable. I mean, I, I still look at that game as probably the biggest upset in school history, honestly. And, again, I, I've been very real and very honest this week with the prospects of South kind of going to Athens and winning this football game. And I'm going to continue to do so. And, of course, tomorrow I'll drop my score prediction. And, uh, yeah. So, but I'm not going to sit here and act like crazier things haven't happened. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's impossible because we've seen it before, Right. And South Carolina, Georgia, being the rivalry it is, sometimes weird things happen. Sometimes strange things happen in these football games. Sometimes it is a Georgia squad that is so much better than South Carolina, quote-unquote better, and the Gamecocks, for whatever reason, are able to be that thorn in the side of the dogs and give them a really, really tough competitive game. So not all hope is lost. We've seen this movie before. We've seen it happen. Granted, the spread is bigger this year, but we have seen the Gamecocks defy the odds in Athens, Georgia. And, of course, you know, Georgia knows that too. You know, Georgia remembers what happens last time. Georgia remember the last time we were there and we chewed up their hedges and we smoked cigars and when we celebrated the W. So how much does that factor into their motivation? Be interesting to see. Can South going to do it yet again? Can they pull off that shocker? All right, guys, let's move into our key matchups to watch. And I talked about the line of scrimmage and the importance of the run game, and South Carolina will have to run the football to have any chance in this game. So I'm starting there. My first key matchup, running back Kevin Harris against defensive lineman Jordan Davis. You know, I would have listed an offensive lineman here for South Carolina, but Jordan Davis will slide around. The entire offensive line is going to have to play well, guys. But Kevin Harris, you know, returned to action last week. Didn't really do anything. Only had like four carries going into the late third quarter. I don't know if he wasn't 110%. I don't know what the deal was. But Kevin Harris, I think, is still your bell cow back. And Jordan Davis is definitely the, the Bulldogs' best defensive lineman. And this is a guy, guys, that's going to be playing for a long time on Sundays. Right now he's got six tackles, two tackles for loss, and one sack. I don't need to say a whole lot on Davis. I mean, he's a stud. He's a legitimate ball player. And, again, you're going to have to run the football. You're going to have to have some semblance of a ground game. Asking, I don't care if it's Zeb Nolan or Luke Doty, asking either of those guys to go out there and win the football game for you, that's a recipe for disaster. And you saw last week, by the way, against ECU, guys, this team is not built to operate out of third down and seven, third down and eight, third down and nine, any type of third and long situations. We saw it last weekend. If you're not able to run the football early in the early downs and you're falling in those third and longs, 
it's going to be a very, very, very long afternoon for you. And that's where you start seeing the turnovers and the blunders. And you look up and it's 21, 28 to nothing. And all of a sudden the route is on. So you got to be able to run the football. It starts with your bell cow, Kevin Harris. So again, running back Kevin Harris against defensive lineman, Jordan Davis, a major, major key matchup to watch. Uh, moving into my second key matchup, staying on the line of scrimmage, but on the other side. In a game like this, guys, you turn to your best players. Bottom line, you turn to your best players. And J.J. Inigbari right now is your best player defensively. So I'm going to stick with him. Defensive lineman J.J. Inigbari against the quarterback, Carson Beck, who it looks like is going to probably be the starting quarterback right now. Sounding like Stetson Bennett and J.T. Daniels are going to be out for this football game. Now, defensively, what do you need to do to have a chance? You need a guy like J.J. Inigbari to live in Carson Beck's back pocket. You need J.J. Inigbari to force Carson Beck into some bad, bad mistakes, some costly mistakes. I'm talking turnovers. I'm talking, you know, turnovers that lead to scores, big plays. We've all seen what J.J. Inigbari has done to this point. He's been phenomenal. He's been incredible. There's no questions asked. Look at his PFF score every week. He's one of the top defensive linemen in all college football. He's got to have his best game. J.J. Inigbari has got to be that dude for South Carolina. So, again, second key matchup, defensive lineman J.J. Inigbari against quarterback Carson Beck, who Beck, again, the likely starter for the Dogs under center. And my final key matchup, guys, I actually go off the field here. I go to the coaches. Shane Beamer against Kirby Smart. I, you know, Shane Beamer, again, that, that's, a, that's sort of an underlying storyline in this football game. This is Shane Beamer's SEC debut. As a head football coach, not just South Carolina's head coach, but as a head football coach, his SEC debut. And Kirby Smart, obviously a defensive guy, known for defense. But, and I want to make this very clear. If South kind of goes out and, and it, it, the game does not go as we hope and Georgia flexes their muscles a little bit, I don't want fans to wake up on Sunday morning or come, come on the show Monday and say, oh, my God, Shane Beamer's a terrible coach. Like, you know, he – he didn't have us ready to play, this, that, whatever. Guys, like I've told you before, Shane Beamer's a football coach. He's not a miracle worker. So don't expect miracles from him, right? Coaches coach, players play. Coaches lose games, players win games. Bottom line, if Georgia's players play and execute and they play their best game, it doesn't matter what South Carolina does. I hate to tell you. But I will be very curious and interested to see, can Shane Beamer dial anything up to, you know, maybe surprise Georgia? You know, what's the overall game plan offensively, defensively, special teams, right? Can we see South Carolina eliminate the stupid penalties in this third week of the season? But what's the overall game plan? What does Shane Beamer have up, up his sleeve? Because I'll tell you guys, I don't think Kirby Smart's a great coach. I think he's a good coach. I think he's Will Muschamp with a better roster, to be totally honest with you. And so Shane Beamer, like we mentioned week one, that was his first impression as a head coach, as South Carolina's head coach. This is Shane Beamer's first impression as an SEC head coach. This is his first impression in the SEC as a whole. You know, if he can go out there and give Georgia problems, all of a sudden you look at, wow, Shane Beamer's a damn good coach. Not just in this league, but nationally as well. What type of game plan will Shane Beamer have put together, him and his entire staff? Will they have anything that maybe they have not revealed in the first couple of weeks? Going to be very interesting to see. So, again, guys, my key matches to watch. Running back Kevin Harris against defensive lineman Jordan Davis. Defensive lineman J.J. Nibari against quarterback Carson Beck. And Shane Beamer against Kirby Smart, both of the head coaches in this football game. All right, guys, let's move to the keys to the game. 
I mentioned line of scrimmage. I mentioned running game. If you're South Carolina and you're going to keep this game competitive and you're going to win the football game, you got to control the clock. You got to control the clock and keep your defense off the field and keep the Georgia offense off the field. Eight, 10, 12 play drives, six, seven minute long drives that result in points, running the football, winning at the point of attack. Your offensive line playing much better than they have the first two weeks. You got to control the clock. You can't be going three and out and put your defense out there like you did last week. You can't do it. Because Georgia, hey, we all believe the defense has improved. That's great. But you keep giving Georgia opportunities and Georgia chances, they're going to score, guys. This is, this is not going to be a 10 to 7 game. This is not going to be a 14 to 10 game. They're going to score. Georgia's going to score. I don't care who the quarterback is. Carson Beck, Bennett, Daniels, I don't care who it is. They've got fantastic running backs. They've got fantastic tight ends. Oh, by the way, they've got a fantastic offensive lineman, five-star, 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 five-star. I mean, it's all five-stars. I know they have injuries on the outside, wide receivers hurt. Doesn't even matter. They're loaded across the board. You got to keep that offense off the field. Give your defense rest. Limit the possessions to Georgia. That's how you turn this into a second-half game. That's how you turn this into a closer-than-expected game late in the third quarter. So, again, my first key, control the clock. And that starts with a running game, and that starts with an offensive line playing much better than they have the first two weeks. My second key to the game, hey, what do you need when you're on the road trying to pull a massive upset as a 32-point underdog? You got to force turnovers, just like we saw in 2019. Hey, why'd you win that football game? Well, you forced three turnovers, and one of them was for a pick six. Forced multiple turnovers. It's no secret, guys. Hey, South Carolina, I can tell you this. They won the game last week, losing the turnover margin. If you lose the turnover margin this week, you're going to get blasted. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. You're going to get blasted. The Gamecocks have got to protect the football and be as opportunistic as they've ever been and taking advantage of Georgia turnovers. So force multiple turnovers. Get pressure on Carson Beck. Be opportunistic. Hey, Fly around the football, do whatever you got to do, but you got to force turnovers in this game. Georgia, if you look up at the scoreboard and they have zero turnovers at the end, there's no chance you won. None. There's no chance because you're not just going to line up. They play their A game and you play their A game and you win. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to force turnovers in this football game. And my final key to the game, guys, simply put, Beamer ball. Beamer ball. Whether it be a big play on defense, like I mentioned, a pick six, a scoop and score, hey, or whether it be special teams, you know, hey, you know what can you know what can swing a game like this? A kickoff return for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, a blocked kick, a blocked punt. Hey, you, you really want to fight for an upset? You're going to have to do one of those things. Special teams is going to have to be special on Saturday. When you're trying to pull a big upset, it takes those type of momentum shifting plays to make it happen. So, again, my keys to the game, control the clock, force multiple turnovers, and Beamer ball. Special teams, got to be special for you. Got to be special all the way around in this football game on Saturday. All right, guys, so that's going to do it for my breakdown of the Georgia game this Saturday. Of course, tomorrow I will have my score prediction as South Carolina travels on the road looking for another massive upset of the Georgia Bulldogs. What a win it would be. And again, guys, like I said, tomorrow I will officially lock in my score prediction for what I think will happen this Saturday 
in Athens. All right, let's move into your listener questions, folks. We got a ton of listener questions here. We'll start. Jarrock did this beat, says Kirby Smart isn't too smart, is he? <laughs> Not quite. Krusty Andy, what do you expect from Doty's return? What would you like to see from him? Well, assuming he does return, um, you know, of course, devise a game plan to keep him safe, keep him out of harm's way. That goes without saying, but, uh, you know, just use your skill set, man. Be an athlete, you know, gain some confidence, shake off the rust, because you're just, you're going to need him for Kentucky, man. You, you, you got to get him some live game reps. He's got to play. So um, use his skill set. Maximize what he's good at. Have a good game plan in place for him. That's what I'd like to see. Jay Painter 71 said, Beamer said it would be cool for Zed to play well in his hometown. Is Zeb still QB1? Guys, I, I genuinely have no clue when it comes to this quarterback conversation. Uh, none. I mean, there, there's some smoke here that, that Zeb might be the guy. Who knows? Who knows, man? Who knows at this point? FA says, recipe for success on Saturday. And can we pull off that dub? Guys, I'm not going to be the guy that sits here and says you cannot pull off the dub, right? I'm not going to do that. Can you? I mean, anything's possible, guys. It's college football. Recipe for success, like I said, don't turn it over. Force multiple turnovers and probably force turnovers that lead to a score, if not a a score themselves. Block a kick, a punt, make a play in special teams. And I I hate to say it, guys, but pray to God Georgia doesn't have their A game. Because if Georgia has their A game, then none of what I even mentioned matters. Bottom line. That's what you did in 2019. Georgia did not play their best game. You took advantage of every single mistake. You didn't do anything stupid on your end, and it worked out, and it worked out. KJ Gonzalez, let's just say we somehow pull up a massive upset. What's our ranking at the start of next week? I mean, the Gamecocks are certainly in the top 25, probably like 20th. I have no idea. Um, Charlie underscore 987, is there any realistic shot we even stay in this football game? I mean, I think it's possible. I, I think it's possible. Again, if Georgia doesn't play their best game and you take advantage of mistakes and you make plays in special teams, it can happen. But all those things are going to have to happen. There's no doubt. Uh, Merck Carolina, what's Georgia's quarterback situation? Again, it, it seems like Carson Beck's the likely starter, but who knows? I mean, Stetson Bennett might be available. Maybe JT Dance. Who knows? Who knows? Um, really a crazy game when you think about it, how many issues there are on quarterback between both sides. Tate, 11-11 underscore says, what game-breaking elements do we need to see Saturday pull this thing off again, guys? Like I said, a defensive touchdown and probably a special teams touchdown. You probably need both. Uh, Final question, David Barnes, 76. Is it just me or does Lloyd kind of look stiff while he runs? I think he'll knock off the rust soon enough. Well, I'll tell you what, the offensive line ain't block worth a damn for him. I'll tell you that right now, first things first. Uh, The other thing is this. I I think Marshawn's a guy right now that's just – he's trying to hit the home run every single play. Um, And – you know, I think what Marshawn needs to focus on is just, just be a productive running back. And we, we know you can hit the home run. We know you're going to do it at some point. Be a productive running back for us. He'll figure it out. Again, he's still a young player. Hey, he's only played two college games ever. So I think he'll figure this thing out. So great stuff, guys. Appreciate the listener questions. All right, we're going to move into our interview. John Strickland, former Gamecocks offensive lineman. Really appreciate him taking the time. This is conversation actually from last night, live at Tin Roof as John joined me. Again, to talk about taking on the Georgia Bulldogs as a player. And, of course, we look ahead, guys, to this weekend and just what the Gamecocks have got to do, not only stay in this football game, but to win this football game as 32-point underdogs. But, again, folks, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you so much for the continued love, the continued support, guys. Without you, T-S-U-S, nothing we do would be possible. So, again, I appreciate you all so much, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks offensive lineman John Strickland.
I'm ready to talk offensive line play if John's ready to come up here. Whenever you're ready, John. You can go get another drink. It's fine. You can do whatever you want to do. This is not our first rodeo, as you all know, if you were here a couple of weeks ago. But I'm really excited, and he's, I'm, I'm sure he loves my hat, by the way. In case you can't see this, it's a 2001 Outback Bowl vintage cap. I don't know. People just – people. I, I don't know. I've got like three of these now, these vintage Outback Bowl caps. I had uh, Andy Boyd in here a couple – two weeks ago, and I was telling him about this. I'll tell you, too. I don't, I don't know if I sent you the pictures, but your former teammate, Rod Trafford, ended up sending me, like, a care package. Uh, here, pull it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got a bunch of uh, old Outback Ball stuff, too. Yeah, he, dude, he ended up sending me, like, uh, the program from the 01 game, his ticket stub. It was pretty cool. But, John, good to see you, bro. Like I said, this is just – I feel like this is just normal common practice for us at this point. But the reason, like I said, I'm so excited to get John up here is this man provides a lot of perspective on beating Georgia, playing Georgia, beating, beating them between the hedges, but also offensive line play. Because I, that's, I don't know that I've ever heard fans talk offensive line as much as they are right now because it's just such a, a little bit of a sore spot, if you will, going in this game. such a question mark, I should say. But um, – We'll talk first on the Georgia series as a whole, which, again, it's very, very ironic. I guess this is almost like a, a back-to-back thing because I told Andy Boyd this when I had him on. It was the week of the season opener. And two years ago, I had Andy Boyd on the podcast the week of the 2019 season opener. So what's ironic about this, for those who don't remember, by the way, this is going to be on the podcast tomorrow, this conversation, um, in case we want to hear it again. But what's ironic about this is – I had John on last year on the podcast, the week of the Georgia game. And so here we are now, the week of the 2021 Georgia game. So a man that knows a thing or two about playing Georgia. Um, first, let's touch on the 2000 Georgia game. That was your first experience. I know I know we kind of – I know you, you said you didn't play a lot in that one, right? Because I think you – Yeah, I was getting redshirt. Redshirt, yeah. But the, obviously just the monumental win that it was. And you were a Georgia guy. And that, I guess we can start there, too, with what makes this – you know, I've had a lot of people call in and say, you know, the rivalry and it's always a close game. And I feel like that's because of the familiarity between the two schools. When you have so many Carolina guys on the Georgia roster, Georgia guys on the Carolina roster, and they kind of, you know, a lot of guys that played against each other, with each other, sort of want to stick it to each other a little bit, you could say. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the South Carolina roster, um, the majority of it is made up of Georgia players other than the South Carolina players. I mean, it's just the way it is. And, of course, I grew up a Georgia fan. And I wound up coming to South Carolina because Georgia didn't sign any offensive linemen, uh, their 2000 class. Actually, there was like eight of us that all played in the Georgia-Florida All-Star game that all played on the Georgia team. And uh, we all went South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia Tech. That's where everybody went. Nobody signed with Georgia. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just – and you got a lot of people that went to South Carolina that – live in Georgia, live in the Atlanta area, you know, and uh, I, I think that's kind of what makes it a neat rivalry, and you're only two and a half hours away from each other. Um, so you got a lot of – I mean, if you lived on the border, <clears throat> you got some family members that went to South Carolina, you got some that went to Georgia, and I think that's what makes it a big rival. I think it's a little bit bigger for us than maybe it is yeah. for them. Uh, I think it's probably second or third on our list, and uh, it's probably fourth – on their list, but uh, yeah, uh, now they they have beat us over the years, but 
past 11 years, what are, I think it's uh, six and five. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's been a really good series. Yeah. It's been a really good series back and forth. And especially, of course, when Coach Spurrier got here and, you know, you're able to win, I think, three or four, you know, straight against him or whatever. Um, no, it's been a great series. But yeah. you talk about it being a rivalry, and, and, and it is for sure. How, because everybody thinks of Clemson and how big Clemson week is. I mean, Georgia week, I'd imagine, as a player. Like, is that, would you say that when, because I know you say, you know, you treat every game the same, but, you know, the juice flows a little bit different for Clemson week. What's it like for Georgia week for the players? Well, typically in the past, which has changed some, you know, over the last five or six years, uh, even going back to the 2012 game, typically you'd always play Georgia first opening SEC game of the year. And uh, to me, when I played, the Georgia game was always a bigger game than the Clemson game because Clemson had nothing to do with South Carolina winning the SEC East, zero. And uh, I think that's what you're going for when you're playing. You're going for championships. You're not worrying about – to me, so when you put that, hey, I want to go to a national championship, a SEC championship, feature in state rival, that's, that's on down the list. You know, that's like third down the list. Mm-hmm. Winning the SEC is uh, top of the list. So the Georgia game is definitely a bigger game than the Clemson game, yeah. 100%. I don't care how you look at it. Yeah, and, and that's the attitude that Steve Spurrier brought as well when he got there and was ripping off the the uh, you know the, the beat Clemson signs or whatever. He made the, the, he made the point. I, I agree with you. I agree with you 110%. I, I know fans hate Clemson. They sort of let that kind of cloud it's like guys we've beaten Clemson before we've never won an SEC before like that that's that's what makes it that's what makes the Georgia game I, I would agree with you like a bigger game in that sense in regards to trying to win a title if that is the ultimate goal which it should be yeah beating Georgia is the top is at the top of your priority list if you will yeah so, 100% yeah so the 2000 Georgia game though again just really quickly I, I know we touched on the yes. last time I had John John last year but uh just experiencing that again it's a game I don't know if it was exactly like this weekend where it's like there's not many folks out there giving you a shot, but you guys obviously pulled the shocker, five interceptions. Um, I, I feel like talking to some of your former teammates, man, it was one you guys expected to win, though. You expected to, to get that game. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. We knew in 2000 we actually had a really good team. There was tons of talent on that team. Mm-hmm. You go back and look at all the names and uh, professional careers of the guys on those teams, we knew we had a really good team. Uh, but that game was probably the – Funnest day and night of my life. I mean, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just went in. Defense just dominated that yeah. game. Just straight up put it to Georgia, and they had no answers for us. Quincy five interceptions. Who can forget Quincy five picks? The the Heisman campaign was very, very short-lived for former Georgia quarterback Quincy Carter. Now, 2001, and that, that's where this really you – know, I, I don't know if we really dove into this last year because South Carolina was hosting Georgia, of course, at home. But just for the fans out there that, you know, we've been to Sanford as fans, but for players, what, what are South Carolina's players going to be enduring Saturday night when they go between the hedges? I mean, it's going to be a packed, packed crowd. I mean, you know, raucous atmosphere. I mean, it'll be electric, uh, the, especially the way Georgia has it now. They, uh, I love how they do the the lights blinking, yeah. blinking red, yeah. and we need that. I Get mean, on that, Coach Tanner. Yeah, Get Tanner, on that. Where are the Tanner, LEDs? Come sure. on. But uh, yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a tough place to play. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably rank it in my toughest places to play. Probably 
fourth, fourth or fifth. Well, who would you put ahead of it? Oh, that's easy. Um, Little Rock, Arkansas. If you I've play heard there, that. I've heard that. That is the hardest, loudest, <laughs> smallest stadium right. to play at in the country. And then you got LSU. Yeah. And then sense. Tennessee, man, I'm telling you, in 03, and when we were there in overtime, mm-hmm. we were down on like the seven or eight yard line, and I can't hear anything. Right. So basically, when Dondrell got under sender, he would just right. tap me to let me know he's ready. And I just had to snap the ball because that's how loud it was. You couldn't hear a thing. So that place right there, when, when, the, when it's a good game and Tennessee's good like they were then, uh, that place is super loud. But that place is also my funnest place to play. Yeah. I love playing at Neyland. <laughs> no, and that's a place I've actually never been. I, I'd love to make it up there. And, of course, yeah, I've never, never been to Neyland. Never been to Neyland. So that's, that's, on the, that's on the priority list for sure. But, again, we, we, we mentioned Sanford and uh, – it gets raucous, it gets loud, but 0-1, you guys were able to hush the dogs. Obviously, Phil Petty, his late game heroics, and Brian Scott with the catch. And, and uh, again, what a great game that was, an incredible game. Back-to-back wins over the dogs. You being a Georgia kid, just what, what do you remember about that game, specifically getting that W in Athens? I mean, it was just a grind-em-out game. And, uh, obviously, the, the best part of the game is when we were able to drive down late and Brian Scott just making that – just crazy catch over Bruce Thornton, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, I, I love I love Brian. He, Brian ma- had posters made now of himself catching that pass. <clears throat> he would carry him around in the trunk of his car. And anybody asking him about it, he'd pull the poster out, sign it for him, and give it to him. <laughs> Legend. Legendary move. Legendary move. Now, what I think is interesting, too, man, is, again, you won those two against Georgia – you also had some very, like some honestly, some heartbreaking losses. O two, o four, I think vividly. I actually, I think o four. O four was my one of the worst losses yeah. I've ever had in my career. O four, I think, was the first time I ever cried as a South Carolina fan. Like I was a little kid, or you know, I was like twelve or thirteen, and like literally cried watching the game because I was like, "Why?" That was the first moment I remember thinking to myself, "Why does God hate my team?" That, that's really what I thought about. It was sixteen to nothing. That was the Dondrell to Troy Williamson blackout. I mean, it's a packed Willie B. And David Green and what was it, Thomas Brown, I think, on that team. And yep. Or Fred, Freddie. Pollock. Yeah. So, yeah, Pollock was still in there, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. Those, but, was, again, you've seen both sides of it. You've seen both ends of it. And, again, the, the, the – how great victory can feel, and also the agony of defeat in that series. Yeah, it's, like, it's a very real thing. The 2004 loss was probably the second worst feeling I ever had after a loss, right. other than the 03 Tennessee overtime loss the year before. But the, the 04 Georgia game, I mean, we're up 16 to nothing. They come back, take the lead on us, and we're down 20 to 16. And we're down on the six yard line, <clears throat> about to score. Fourth and one. Of course, I'm pleading my case of what the play call should be. The coaches say another thing, and we run what the coaches wanted to do. I think if we ran what I wanted to run, we would have got a first down, and we're going to win the game. Uh, but uh, anyways, yeah, that was just a uh, it was a heartbreaking loss on a game we shouldn't have lost. Yeah, should not have lost. I mean, that 0-4 team. If you go back and look at it, we finished six and five. Uh, you can go back and look at the Georgia game, the Ole Miss game, mm-hmm. the Arkansas game. 
this just three games that we just gave away. Yeah. Yeah, there were some that, close that team losses. Had a that, lot team. Of, that team had a lot of talent on it. Well, I mean, that's I think you saw Spurrier get off to such a fast start. I think he was able to translate that into uh, into wins in his first couple of seasons. Certainly, he benefited from that. Let's let's shift John into because we're getting actually a lot of questions digitally: Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And again, appreciate people tuned in. Offensive line play this year's team. You were in Greenville for the East Carolina game. What's going on with the offensive line? Because I, 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 well, I feel, yeah. What, I think I got to tell you this. So, in the East Carolina game, they were stacking seven, eight guys in the box, and basically just saying throw it. Right. Um, so I think that's why you saw the run game. The first half just looked terrible. Uh, obviously, the fourth quarter we got it figured out, and we were like, "Hey, well, we're faster than them. Let's start hitting these outside zones on them." And, and, it, and it worked. Um, but, I mean, the offensive line play, I mean, it's not all on the offensive line, but, uh, I mean, there's been some missed assignments, and uh, they just hadn't quite gelled together as right. good as you would like, especially with the guys with that many starts. Well, that's what I was going to say. And how surprising is that when you got four or five guys coming back from a line that did what they did last year and over 80 career starts? I think that's what's the most surprising well, I think part. one thing you got to look at, it's a new system. Right, okay. right. That's so you got to take that into account. Um, you have a new left tackle. Okay, that yeah. that's left tackle is probably the second most important position on the offensive line, mm -hmm. other than center. And so you got to take that into account. Uh, but I will. I mean, like I said, the ECU game, they were stacking the box on us. So it's kind of hard to block guys when you're outnumbered. Um, so I know a lot of people don't really see that, uh, right. but it was happening the entire game and daring us to throw it. And obviously we weren't able to throw it. Um, um, I, I, I'm giving them the benefit of a doubt though. Mm -hmm. uh, I think with a team like Eastern Illinois, we should have just road graded them. No problem. And we didn't. Right. Uh, so that was a little bit disappointing. Um, but like I said, O-line looked good in the fourth quarter last week, so yeah. hopefully we can carry that forward. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you can't put it all on the O-line, but O-line's got to step up, yeah. especially this week. Yeah, I think, too, one of the things, especially in week one, John, is I think the expectations for the run game also were just so high. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you look at what we did last year. I right, mean, right. And it's thousand like, yard back in ten games, all SEC play. I mean, Yeah, and it's, and it's like you mentioned, too, though. I mean, I and I talked about it all preseason, like, hey, if I was a defensive coordinator, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stack the box also until South kind of proves they can throw it consistently enough to make me be honest in the passing game. I and, think you might see some of that this week. Yeah. Because Georgia's got a lot better DBs than ECU's got. So if Georgia feels like they can lock up man-to-man, -man, yeah, they're going to just stack the box and say, until y'all start hitting some passes on us, we're just going to dare you to pass on us. Yeah. And Jesse Jacobs makes a point, by the way. You mentioned about, like, a new scheme and a new system. And you've heard some of the coaches say that the O-line issues are just miscommunications with the quarterback and shifts. And so that goes back to, like, what you were saying, with it just yeah. being new system, new scheme, new verbiage. It's just the adjustment to, to that. Yeah. Yeah. But still, that's no excuse. You still got to pick it up, learn it, play better. But that, that is definitely a contributor to what's going on. Yeah, and I, I would say I, I still do feel encouraged about the offensive line just because, like we said, I mean, you do have four or five guys on that line that did what they did last year. Like, you can't forget about 
how good they were a year ago. And, yep. and again, you've got depth. I think you really, really have. I mean, it sounds like from what Adkins and Satterfield have said, they've got seven, eight guys they really, really like. Yeah, that's which, all you need. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they've got enough to be successful. And I, I, I still feel like the running game is going to come around. But you're right. It's You need a passing game to complement it. It's just, you know, you, you, you can't throw it. <laughs> There's not much you can do in a run game. There's not much an offensive line um, can do also. So, I mean, we'll, we'll look at this this game this weekend, man. Again, going, going to Athens between the hedges, it's no secret that the type of task it is. I mean, if you listen to Shane Beamer, which I'd love if some of our fans actually did listen when Coach Beamer talks. But he, I mean, he mentioned how good Georgia is, how talented they are. He said it's maybe the best Georgia team ever, best Georgia roster. Um, outside of a win, well, I'll say this: What do you want? What do you most want to see, like improvement wise? Do you want to see the offensive line? Do you want to see quarterback play? I want to continue to see the defensive line play the way they've been playing. Yeah. But against better talent. Yeah. That's one thing I want to see. I want to see the front seven. You know hold Georgia in the run game and not give up big plays. And uh, obviously, I want to see the offensive line, you know, let's let's get a little bit of a running game going, you know. I think it'd be great if we can rush for about 150, 160 on Georgia. I'd be what, I mean, Clemson had two. Two. <laughs> Actually, I'd be happy two. with about 130. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that would show a lot, mm. uh, a lot of improvement. And then, obviously, quarterbacks – we say we're up in the air, but if Luke's 100, percent I mean, yeah. you got to play Luke yeah. and uh, put him out there and see what he did can do. Um, I mean, Zeb would probably be the first one to tell you just everything I've heard and learned about the guy because I don't know him personally, but he'll tell you last week that man, I just threw some bad balls, missed some wide open guys. I mean, yeah. it is what it is, but uh, I think you, you know, I've heard people saying, well, why risk it and uh, Luke hurt for for Georgia and just uh, saving for no, that's not how it works. Yeah, you put your best players on the field to win that game that day. Yeah, there's no like, oh well, we're gonna lose, so we'll just not play. <laughs> no, that's that's not how it works. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I would love for you to expand on that perspective because we actually had one, you know somebody in here ask earlier, and I've had a lot of fans ask me too, and you know th there was there were many people saying going to the East Carolina game, well. You know, if Luke doesn't start against ECU, you, you you can't just throw him to the wolves to Georgia. And it's like, yeah, you can. can you imagine? I mean, I just I'm like I'm like it's easy. We we can sit here and entertain a narrative like that, but I'm like just picture it. Can you imagine Shane Beamer going up to Luke Doty and saying, "Hey, we know you're 100. percent You're ready to go. You want to play in the game, but we're scared for you or something." I mean, I, you I can't even fathom that type of conversation happening. Yeah, Luke would be like, "Are you joking? I'm like, not scared. I'm excited right. to go play." Right. I played against these guys last year. Now we might have got beat up, but hey, I want another shot. Right. Let's get let's, competitor mindset. You know, not everybody has it. The guys playing on Saturday, they yeah. they know what it's about. Play your best player. You're gonna go try and win the game because I'm telling you right now. Okay, Georgia's had since Kirby's been there probably top three recruiting classes in the country just about every year. Yeah. All right, so they got a bunch of four- and five-star players, da-da-da-da. Well, if you go down a roster, we actually have a good bit of four-star players and a few five-stars sprinkled in. It can be done. Uh, now, I don't think it's going to get done this Saturday. It's a tall task, but uh, you just never know what's going to happen, so you're not going to leave anything in the tank. 
not going to say, oh, we're just going to hold you back and we'll save you for yeah. what we think yeah. we can win next week against Kentucky. Yeah. That's, that's just not yeah. I mean, this is kind of a game, too, that will sort of set the tone in a, in a way for, like, I mean, it's your SEC opener. You know what I mean? It, I, again, I think outside of the result, I, th- I think a lot of positive can come from this week. I think a lot of good things can come from this weekend. You show signs of improvement, like you were saying, and and uh, you can carry that momentum over, if you will, over into the Kentucky game. And, I mean, you know, it, it's a long SEC season. So I, I think a lot of good can come out of this out of this weekend in Athens, to be honest with you. I agree 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's just another week to uh, get better. Yeah. Even though the competition's better, it's just uh, yeah. you got to go out and get better. Yeah, iron sharpens iron for sure. Defensively, you mentioned the front seven. How impressed – I know that, again, you, people are going to argue you've played two lesser opponents, if you will, but – it's. I feel like it's not hard to see that just like fundamentally, um, the defense just looks night and day different from last year. How impressed have you been early with the defense? I think they look great, including the linebackers. The front seven's been uh, really good through two games. Yes, it's been lesser opponents, but uh, I mean, they have just, I mean, so you can look at the East Carolina game last week. Man, well, you gave up 17 points. Well, guess what? The offense had three turnovers in the first quarter. And then a trick play on the first play of the game. Yeah. If none of that happens, I think we win last week probably 31 to 10. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. 31 oh, yeah. to 7. Yeah. That's what I think the final score would have been. But you made too many mistakes. Give up a trick play on the first play of the game. Yeah. All that cost it to be as close as it was. Mm-hmm. The game really wasn't as close as you think it was. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, it really it, wasn't. Have you ever seen a game with that much home cooking in it? Boy, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get into it. Those calls with the refs, right, man. Chrissy's out there shaking her head. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. We were there watching. It was bad. Right. I've never seen so many. Uh, let's go check the replay. It was brutal watching it on TV as well. I can tell you that much. I mean, it, it from the from the Dak Joiner down, not down thing to I mean, every fifty fifty call call going against Carolina. But you know, looking back at that game too, though, man, I, I said it after the game whatever the score, you found a way to win. I feel like that's one of those wins for Coach Beamer. He can really use to, you know, to build on and build the program. It's kind of like – I feel like a win like that, again, no matter who it comes against, it sort of reaffirms everything they're saying in the building. It's like, hey, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing that. Like, this is why what, – what, what we're telling you, we're not just blowing smoke up your ass. Like, there's a reason for everything. And Again, when you're able to fight adversity and get a win like that, I, you know, I don't want to put too much stock in a week two win over – East Carolina, but really, I feel like it's one of those wins Shane Beamer and company can can build on. Yeah, 100%. And it uh, allows you to uh, correct mistakes because there was a ton of them, mm. a ton of mistakes. Um, but a win's a win. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll take a one-point win every week of the season. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot more fun to correct mistakes coming off of a W than it is coming off of a loss. Yes, 100%. No, no question. Because the mindset's different. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. John, this has been fun. Before I get you out of here, um, you look at this weekend again, like I said, I think we all agree it's, it's you know, 2019 happened. Anything can happen for sure. By the way, the Gamecocks were a 24-and-a-half point underdog the last time they went to Athens and won the game straight up. But in your mind, what has to happen for South Carolina to pull the upset? Uh, the, the – Defense is just going to have to play a great game. They're going to have to play like Clemson played Georgia. Right. They're going to they're gonna have to play that good. Maybe not quite that good, but they're going to have to play really strong. And I think you're going to have to at least get two, maybe three turnovers. 
and maybe uh, a big juju play on special teams or something uh, to pull the upset. Yeah. Um, I, I really think Luke, Luke gives us probably the best chance to win the game. So I think if he's 100 uh, percent, he'll be in there. Uh, I mean, no, no. Appreciate what Zeb's done, right, but right. you know, there's a reason. Right. You know, Luke Luke was a starting quarterback. You know, through spring into last year, there's a reason. And everybody wants to say, well, Luke's not accurate with the ball. Well, how do you know? You saw him two games last year as a true freshman. You, you don't know how much he's improved, how much he hasn't improved. That spring game was a joke, means nothing. Um, I think uh, Luke's athletic ability helps us big time yeah. in this game to move the ball up and down the field because Georgia has really good athletes. Luke's one of the fastest guys on the team. Yeah. He's a really good athlete. So I think that's it, and you're going to have to get the running game going somehow. So yeah. I think that's kind of your keys to the game. But I think the defense is going to – have Lead to the step way. up and just yeah. have a phenomenal game, which with the front four we got and the two deep on the front four, I think I think those guys have a chance to uh, disrupt that Georgia offense. Yeah. Have you ever seen a game like this one this Saturday where, I mean, we don't know quarterbacks for either team at this point. Like, it just, I mean, it's insane. Like, yeah, it's kind of crazy, especially <laughs> for two teams going into a game. Right, now, right. I've seen it for one before. Right. Obviously, we've seen right. it for the past – Definitely last week we saw it, which I kind of already knew before the game, but just from some of my hearsay that Luke wasn't playing. So, mm. um, but no, it's pretty wild, right? You know, I mean, it's crazy. Starting quarterbacks, you have no clue. The number two team in the country has to go I, to the third I really third don't stringer? think Georgia's starting quarterbacks starting. JT I don't Daniels. think JT Daniels is starting, but I, I've been proven wrong before. But yeah. from what I heard, like, uh, he's. He's in pretty good pain. Yeah. Everybody's got a yeah. the ball. Oh, really? Yeah. I was gonna say everybody's got a guy right now. So do you wanna do you wanna share any breaking news about Luke Luke Doty's status going to the weekend? I mean, everybody's asking me. I'm like, bro, I have no idea. I have no clue. Beamer, Satterfield, the guys on the roster, and God are the only people that know what's gonna happen at quarterback. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I don't have a concrete answer for you. Yeah. But if he's one hundred percent he may not start the first series, but he's yeah. definitely playing. Yeah, he's got to. He's got to for sure. John, yeah. I appreciate it as always, my friend. By the way, your beard's looking fantastic these days. Yeah, so. it's about to get trimmed up. Though. Trimmed up, really? Really? Maybe come November, we'll. Yeah, why not? We'll why let not? it roll through uh, January. Yeah, dude, do it. I think it looks great, honestly. I don't know if the the uh, everyone would approve, but I think it looks awesome. So either way, former Gamecocks offensive lineman John Strickland, everybody appreciate you, John. Come back and always a pleasure. Give it up for John. Thank you.